0: following podcast contains coarse language and strong opinions on wine. Seriously, these two have potty mouths and little self-control. Listeners, you've been warned.
1: Live from our basement studios in suburban Chicago, it's another edition of That Wine Pod. My name is Pete, and sitting across from me, the Frappato Freak, Vino Mike. Oh, we're getting freaky today. (laughs) (laughs) I I was a little hesitant because of the Greek freak uh, up in Milwaukee. Who's Uh, that? Basketball player, Greek guy. Oh that I
0: can't pronounce his name. Oh that that I didn't realize his his nickname the Greek. I'm a little out of tune with the NBA yeah. these days like in, in terms of at least the maybe the nicknames going on but yeah. I'm not Greek so I can't be the Greek freak but I am ready to get my freak on
1: on this bottle of wine we got here today. Yeah man. Um I'm kind of excited for this and I don't have to try to pronounce Giannis's last name. That's I could say his first. That's it. There you go. Um we have some really good wine in front of us we do and I think we got to just jump in right there all right let's do it so what's in that bottle here we go for
0: uh this episode in that bottle we've got Ariana Ocapinti oh. Sicilian winemaker extraordinaire
1: well being Sicilian heritage myself
0: you are this is like the motherland, this is, this is the motherland to like the motherland of the motherland for for Pete who is Sicilian but yeah we've got Arianta Ocap- Ariana Ocapinti Uh, She is the winemaker, owner, producer. Uh, Her wines are labeled under her last name, Ocapinti. And this wine we've got today is a red wine. It is called SP68, labeled the appellation for, you know, in Italy here. It's an IGT called Terra Siciliane. Uh, So it's the Rosso 2018 vintage. Wow. So she is um, in, you know, on the island of Sicily in the area of Vittoria. So we're not on Mount Etna, all right, which is really popular for Sicilian wines these days. I think a lot of our listeners are probably fans of Etna Rosso, have heard of Norello Mascalese. This is off the volcano, different part of Sicily. And we've got a blend going on here. So this is roughly, I believe, 70% Frappato, 30% Nero D'Avola. Yeah. So nice red blend. She makes some straight frappatos, which are absolutely gorgeous that I particularly love, love, love. I call them lunch wines because they're just so <laughs> light and easy to drink. And uh, you can really enjoy a bottle during the afternoon and still totally function the rest of the day. They're they're kind of low alcohol, but big on expression and flavor.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what's hitting me here. For such a, I mean, it's like th- this one's only coming in, clacking in somewhere between 11 and 14% alcohol according to the label on the
0: yeah. front. Yeah. and here we are in Sicily, right? Like right. like hot, warm, you you would think, right? Like warm climate, hot, big, ripe, powerful wines, but yeah, this this is labeled as 12.5 on the front, on the back label, which is the front label, and we'll talk about one of these that one of these days. Um it is 11 to 14% is the range. So it's yeah. under
1: 14%. Yeah, I mean, this is one that is a vino mic, clean off the microphone acidity. I mean, this is <laughs> high acidity, juicy, but not in that ripe way. It's almost like tart, yeah. plum skin, like uh, a, more of a tart red fruit to me uh, on, on this, right? Without a doubt. And uh, I don't know. There's something so elegant about it, but yet mouth-filling and satisfying. Like, it's, it's not huge, like, weight full body, but it's just explosive or voluminous. Yes. Um in terms of the flavor.
0: Yeah. It's it it's very um expansive on the palate, very broad. You know, it's very focused, like like it's medium bodied and focused, but then just when you swallow the flavors, they just last for so long and just kind of coats coats the whole palate. So um and then just electric. I mean just the the vibrancy of the wine like you can tell how alive it is. And um, this is very crushable. What the what the cool kids call glue glue, glue glue. <laughs> so glue glue in the in the natty world is wine. It, that just basically means chuggable, right? Like you can just chug it. And while we're not gonna have, you know, we're not gonna get our what the fuck? we're not gonna get our beer funnels out and see uh, do like glue a glue glue a keg stand. Come on. But you haven't heard the glue glue term yet. No. Yeah. Yeah. Is that like a take on glug glug? I, I guess so. I may, maybe there's something else behind it, but, uh, yeah, when not, not all natural wine would be called glue glue. I've learned living in the, you know, in the natural wine world in retail for the last four or five years or so as it's really blown up. But I mean, there's, you know, you can look up people's names or glue glue on Instagram and glue this and like play on those words. Like and G-L-U stuff like so, or G L O U. G L O U. G-L-O-U. G-L-O-U.
1: Mm-hmm all right well I'm gonna have to look up the origins of that because it sounds ridiculous but then again I'm old (laughs) right comparatively right uh to probably the people who have their Instagram handles as that yeah me too but uh it's interesting in terms of to me this is just damn good wine yeah and it happens to be natural definitely right but natural is a movement as you called it natty right so yeah we're having that natty show because it's Big,
0: yeah, and I'm excited. We've been wanting to talk about this for a while now, uh, in terms of you know the category itself, and you know this this represents a a natural wine, hands down. But she was natural before natural was really cool and popular. What it is, she was natural before natural was natural, right? Yeah, and. You know, I don't even really know where to start this discussion. You know, like what is natural wine? Well, that's, I guess that's the question. That's the right? question. I mean, how do you define that? So, and and it's just it. First of all, it's it's undefinable. Oh.
1: There's there's no official definition for natural wine. Okay, so let me let me try to to set a stage a little bit. When I'm looking on a wine shelf, a wine a, a good purveyor shelf, right? You'll see terms such as sustainable, organic biodynamic Mm -hmm. natural Mm -hmm. now to me sustainable is one of the the main goals of farming period right you you've got to have sustainability or your land won't be fertile and therefore your crops don't don't happen at least not for long probably right right yeah and people that have been doing farming for millennia I would assume, have figured this out, right? And
0: sorry to interrupt, but are you are you referring to just farming like agriculture yeah. in general or yeah. wine, like vines and wine grape growing? No, just in general, okay.
1: right? I mean, in the I think that this is kind of where we overcomplicate things sometimes. Mm-hmm. In the end, a vineyard is just a farm. Right. It's a farm for grapes. And I don't mean it like just a farm. It takes a lot of work to run a farm, any farm successfully. Unless you are highly commercial. Mm-hmm and don't give a shit about anybody but yourself, you're going to baby the land because the land is what's giving you money so that your family can live. The sustainable farming practices came along because you as a farmer needed to be sustainable. Right. 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 To sustain a living. I find it interesting that we talk about sustainable practices today in farming because they've been doing this for a very long time. We all learned about crop rotation and some class in school back in the day, right? natural sciences or whatever. Right. So they've been doing sustainability for a long time. To me, if you don't have a wine that's sustainably farmed, it's weird. Right. I'm not sure who isn't doing sustainable farming, even at the biggest levels at this point.
0: Well, you know, there's the conventional and processed wines out there. I, I'm I'm not an expert I'm, to speak. Go ahead. From a
1: farming level, I'm talking. Okay. I mean, the... the Pretty much everybody's doing some sort of sustainable farming or else the land would literally die. Like it wouldn't be fertile anymore. Yeah. I guess I that's really a, I keep saying fertile.
0: I guess that's a loose, a loose definition when we're yeah. talking about sustainability. Right. right. Like it could be a lot leaning a lot closer towards true organic and a lot closer towards plenty of pesticides and artificial man-made you sure. know, chemicals and what have you to right. that, that are, you know, lend itself to keeping the vineyard
1: going and. Pushing towards a higher crop, maybe, or something like that. Yeah. I guess my point being that you can be sustainable and not organic. Correct. And, but you, can, you can't be organic and not sustainable. You can be organic and
0: not organic.
1: You can be organic and not organic. Right.
0: And what I'm, what I mean by that is now we're talking about certifications. Right. Right. And do you want to, if you are farming organically, just farm organically. Now, if you want to have that on your label or be certified as an organic farmer, now you have to, fill out some paperwork (laughs) right go through a process jump through some hoops and go through a process yeah
1: and old world wine i mean old world vineyards a lot of them are organic because Mm -hmm. that's just what they've always done yeah part of the problem that i've talked to some of the farmers about are one they don't they don't want to pay the money to be certified every year Um, they don't want to have to worry about what their neighbor is doing because some of their points have been hey I'm organic, but my next door neighbor isn't. And what if some of their pesticides just with normal, you know, ground flow end up in my vineyards and now I get tested and it doesn't work out. That's ridiculous. Of course, I'm doing everything that I can. Yeah. And then it goes to so then the next. So organic, again, I think that everybody kind of gets right. It's just not a lot of pesticides and some other things in your vineyards. Right. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Just staying away from chemicals in general. Yeah. And real quick, one story I heard in the wine world, one of the first organic farmers in France, um, it's a, a producer in Burgundy in the Macon called Guillaume Bru. And the whole story of why they turned organic is after World War II, when the, uh, you know, I don't know, the son, whatever he was at the time, came back from the war to his family's land And they were going to get back into, I guess, regular life, if you will, after, you know, nobody's trying to bomb your vineyards and your house anymore and things like that. Um, He deliberately did not want to use any chemicals because it directly reminded him of the horrific shit that he saw firsthand on the lines fighting in World War II. You know what I mean? And it it wasn't a choice of like, I'm going to farm organically because it's this... um, cultural thing or you know this righteous thing it was like i can't be i like i'm i'm traumatized after war and i don't want any of that shit around me ever again and so they just farmed organically going forward so i mean this and this is in like what the four late 40s maybe 50s so we're we're talking like the last 60 years organic in wine farming winemaking starting to come around and actually be something that people are talking about
1: yeah that sounds like a great story I'm not sure I would buy it but no no that sounds like one of those legends that a winery makes up to have a cool story all <laughs> right well, well it happens in Europe all the time yeah I mean I've toured enough in Europe to get plenty of stories that I mean you're just looking at them going uh, really like it sounds good but I just I don't know I'm, I'm not buying that one unless no. unless I'd have to see some proof yeah that's right I'm a skeptic it's okay <laughs> you know it's a good story though yeah I mean, I, I guess the, my problem with it is organic was the only way to do things for way more time than we've had chemicals. So I think that the natural state of order for most farmers was always organic. And they would use these chemicals kind of when they had to in a vineyard setting. I think that other large crops may have been a little bit different. Well, I think they
0: knew around that time too that like to prevent different diseases, like this is why you're using chemicals, right? Right. We're not trying to make a huge crop here or make the wine taste any better or worse. We're just trying to fight off mother nature. And, you know, when you start messing with that, with unnatural products, if you will, natural versus unnatural here, that's, that's when you start getting into trouble ultimately down the road. Um, but, you know, a little spray here to prevent some mildew, a little spray of this over here to prevent rot, you know, um, right. what whatever you're battling and, and wherever, whatever climate you're in, you know, that these chemicals came around to, I think, just save, save your crop. And
1: yeah, yeah I mean, financially
0: they're, they're- like, oh, I can just buy this. It's cheaper than organics and then it'll help save my crop, so I'm not losing
1: money I can still produce sure I mean the only reason to to ever even bother with it is because something wasn't working right right so I mean I get it something natural can't always combat the disease like now you're gonna have to take your lumps right yeah so that then you've got biodynamic all right now biodynamic I will admit I to this moment I don't get
0: all right well let me let me first start off by telling you that today (laughs) God (laughs) <laughs> so this it, is the biodynamic calendar, we've which got the, is different than biodynamic farming. Right? We've got the biodynamic calendar because right. we, we were definitely going to talk about biodynamics yeah. today, but um, yeah, today today's a leaf day. Okay. So what the hell does that what mean? What the hell does that mean? Well, we, we can get into that in a second, but I think this wine is, first of all, tasting amazing right now. Yes. And according to the biodynamic calendar, a leaf day isn't the best day to, to taste your wine, but... Um, what this is? Let's let's go through this really quickly here. All right. So this this biodynamic calendar it it started based off of well in the wine world it was R- Rudy Steiner in Austria in like the twenties or thirties or something like that. In uh, just in agriculture in general. First of all, here here check this out. When to drink wine? In introduction to the theory, theory. Oh. Okay. Right. So we're we're already like. You know, this isn't scientific necessarily, right? We're talking about a theory. But this is a, 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 like a gardener and a farmer, Maria Toon, um, who writes like an almanac, basically, a, a yearly almanac for gardening and when to plant and when to harvest and, and things like that. It kind of came into the wine world based on like when when to drink wine based on like the phases of the moon, Um, and things like that. So now we're starting to get into biodynamics, which has to do with phases of the moon, uh, what constellation the moon is living in, and and things of this nature. So it, it starts getting a little bit voodoo, if you will. But there's a lot of winemakers that practice biodynamics. Here we go. The best days to drink wine are fruit and flower days. So there are four main days, fruit, Flower, leaf, and root that represent the vine, the plant, the roots of the vine, the leaves, um, the, the flower, and the plant. You know, of course, it says that it doesn't mean you can't drink wine on other days, but you might like to drink your best wines or hold an important dinner party on a day that will show your prize purchase off to the best advantage. It doesn't matter whether you believe in the theory. After all, scientists once believed that the sun revolved around the earth. What matters is trying it for yourself and seeing how well it works. You know, this is kind of an introduction to biodynamic and, and uh, you know, biodynamic wine and what it is. So, you know, you, you basically have this calendar based on where the moon is and uh, in what constellation it is. So like the signs of the zodiac, um, the moon passes through these constellations and each constellation is associated with one of the four elements of earth, air, fire or water. And so they literally, like growers, pay attention to the phases of the moon and what kind, if it's in the root, fruit, leaf, or um, flower phase as to like what to do in the vineyard basically.
1: Does it ever explain why? I guess that's where I get stuck on this, right? So fine, you, you've decided to become a biodynamic uh, vintner. And you go through and then you make this great vintage of wine. I don't know why that vintage, doing those practices would be any better unless you're telling me that the pull of the moon in that area of the sky on the water within the grape, it does something. I mean, I I guess that's the part that I've always just not understood. And then once the wine is in the bottle, why my taste buds would be impacted by anything other than what's in the glass. So the
0: the theory behind it... Or what I've eaten. (laughs) Yeah. Is that the the moon controls more than just the planet's tides. So think of how the moon influences the ocean, the tides, gravity, things like that. It influences all living organisms, including human biology and the way plants grow. So if we consider the wine in a bottle as a living organism, uh, which matures over time, then it makes sense to that it should respond to the rhythms of the moon.
1: Okay, well... So that's the theory behind it. So wine, So, phases of the moon impact the tides. We know that for a fact. That's a fact. Like, that's not theory. Um, their theory is that it impacts winemaking, farming in general, and what's in the bottle, and also werewolves. Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure that we're clear, because that's the other thing we know. The theory is that, you know, it's the full moon who makes... The werewolves going. I I know I am being an ass, but dude, come on. I like I I don't get this one. Like I still don't hear anything that tells me why. It's just basically like, hey, it impacts it. So, I I mean, wouldn't that be the same as me calling it? You know, I am going to have an um, astral theory also in the sky, and I believe that the position of, you know, the International Space Station, which Mm -hmm. now goes around the, the Earth constantly, right? Like that positioning impacts. Something like right? the
0: energy of the moon's, yeah. you know, pull yeah. and stuff like that. And yeah. I,
1: I'm sure. I, so I'm being a jerk and I would really love for somebody that is a biodynamic winemaker. Like, I think we might have to talk to somebody. Yeah. And I will bite my tongue on making fun of them. And because I do want to understand it better because all those were just words that like I could have written. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, this is a very general, like the, you know, it's not the deep, deep science to the guide to biodynamics, but just a basic wine guide that you can get for eight bucks on on Amazon that gives you like the biodynamic calendar and what days are fruit days and what days are leaf days, et cetera, et cetera. The depth that the winemaker approaches this with is far greater than what we're talking about right now. And I, I agree, it'd be great to maybe have a guest or, or talk to a winemaker to learn more about this. I visited a handful of winemakers. One that pops to mind is uh, Belpont, um, a producer in Oregon. Um, he is 100% biodynamic, but ironically, he told me while at his winery that he can't be biodynamic because he actually drives a car and uses fuel to transport supplies from the winery that he has to buy at the store. Like that's how deep it goes, right? Like if you used a horse-drawn wagon to actually transport your your supplies. So what biodynamics is is it it is using the environment in a way that like they it I'm trying to come up with the words here, you know, it's just you 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 end up with like a self-sustainable piece of land where just everything going on is in harmony and you're using nothing but nature to have that balance and the moon and yeah well nature yeah the moon okay planets
1: yeah i i guess i i really would love kind of i don't know how do you prove out this theory other than you have somebody who wasn't doing biodynamic and they made crap wine And then all they changed was to those practices. And all of a sudden, the wine is fantastic. Yeah. I I just don't understand that part. And like I said, let's get a guest and and figure it out. But within that, it sounds like that's the ultimate natural wine. Like everything needs to be natural. All the way down to the fact that you can't do something mechanical to even transport the stuff for the vineyard to you. Yeah. Right. So then how do they... So natural wine doesn't have... Some sort of strict definition around it. It doesn't have a strict definition. Is there um, any kind of governing bodies to calling yourself natural wine?
0: There's no governing bodies. You you can be officially certified biodynamic. There are organizations that do that. And of course, organic, but there's nothing that and makes sustainable. you officially and sustainable. Nothing that makes you officially natural. And that's, that's what this whole phenomenon is like that's why this blows my mind this the, like it to me it really blew up in the last whatever 5 6 years Right, and now we have where we didn't have this before we have massive natural wine um conventions and and massive tastings that are like very well attended we have natural wine shops that are all natural wine we have natural wine bars how how do you do that without a definition well um you it's the you know, it's it's just the belief of, of the producer and what they're doing.
1: So they're calling themselves natural wine. So yeah, either the I importer so. or the producer is saying, hey, this is natural wine.
0: I guess so. I mean, these are mostly small producers. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, let's talk about Okapinti that we have in our glass right now. She would definitely fall into the natural wine world, but she was natural before this whole natural thing was cool. And she's she's imported by Louis Dresner. Um, small importer that works with small producers, you know, this, I'm kind of talking to the audience of now, course, right? right. But the, you know, the, the fact of the matter is like Oka if you learn a little bit about her and read a little bit about, you know, her philosophy on her website, she is all about um, like, she had a really great, great quote on there about we are not the land doesn't come from our ancestors. We're borrowing the land from our children. We're borrowing the land from the next generation. So in her mind, taking care of her vineyards and her land is to leave it in even better shape than when
1: she found it for the next generation to come. That's the definition of sustainability. Yeah. So she's sustainable. She's sustainable, but she's beyond sustainable. So let's just a few things, right? So in order to be considered natural, do you have to have wild yeast fermentation? Does it have to kind of naturally occur?
0: Yeah. So that's something that she talks about too is using uh, like local native yeasts. Okay. You but definitely
1: she, don't want to use, like if you use culture yeast, I think you're out of the club. Okay. But it doesn't have to be wild. It could, as long as it's native, she could introduce yeast to the process.
0: I don't know the yeah, yes or I, no answer to that. Right, but,
1: well, but I, I'm not expecting you to have an answer, but these are the types of things that I think are interesting. Yeah. Like I could see this club getting to where you don't use wild, like this isn't just happening in your, you're introducing yeast, like you're out because yeah. there's no definition. Yeah. Right. And I, I think the idea is that you
0: like when you farm organically, when you farm like as clean as possible without using any pesticides things like that, yeah. you should have really, really healthy fruit, especially maybe after a few years of doing it, like it doesn't happen overnight year one. And that healthy fruit, I think helps out with, the native yeast and the the spontaneous fermentation of, of using like local native yeasts that you, you just naturally have. Right. Um, but that's a big deal in the natural wine world. And as somebody who sold natural wine, because as this thing grew, you know, the, the, the shop that we both worked at, It wasn't, you know, a natural wine shop, but this category grew within the store, and these customers would come in looking for some of these quote-unquote natural wines and would actually ask questions of what kind of yeast was used to ferment this. And to me, that's when it started, like, just getting out of control.
1: I mean, aren't there just a a bunch of traditional producers in Bordeaux and Burgundy that have just done this naturally? (laughs) Yeah. Forever, like sure. this is just what they do. Sure. Um, so I think that there's a bunch of that. I to me, I, I I'm coming well, at Chateau Ponte Canet. While yeah. we're on the
0: subject, classified, famous, expensive, fifth growth is bio. They practice biodynamics. Yeah. They are a natural wine, but I don't think you would go into one of these hipster natural wine shops and see Ponte Canet right. there, right? And that that it doesn't mean they have to carry it, but what I'm saying is it's so loose and gray, yeah. and it's really confusing, in my opinion, for the consumer to navigate their way through this stuff.
1: Well, I, I think that you're you're starting to hit at what bothered me about this movement, right? As somebody who was tasting wines, curating them for the public, being part of that team, more importantly as a wine lover, mm-hmm. and especially at the beginning, but still now today, I feel that there are too many. People producing, quote unquote, natural wines as an excuse to pass off flawed winemaking. One thousand percent. Because that's happening that there are too many of these things that are cloudy and not cloudy in a good way, Mm -hmm. like densely cloudy. uh, Just the the reason, you know, the wine tastes bad is it's bad. It's it's just flawed winemaking. Yeah. I think that I got a bad taste in my mouth, pun intended, early on in this. Movement because I was tasting one shitty made wine after another. Now I understand that Okapenti is a natural wine, but I would say that Okapinti is a great wine that happens to be natural. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I mean, taste the the Bell Pont Pinot Noirs; Fan- um, they're fantastic. We we can maybe we'll get into this later in the episode, but there there are so many great producers that could go fit right into the natural yep. wine category that make outstanding um drake whitcraft yeah oh drake phenomenal. whitcraft amazing wines we're talking california pinot noir california chardonnay i know he does Syrah and some other stuff and some small one-off things and whatever but and gamay but the the main thing of whitcraft is pinot noir and chardonnay aged in oak right You know, I mean, it's straightforward wine, but he he is completely and I think like Okapinti has a very similar philosophy. I think there's a shared philosophy amongst these types of winemakers that actually make really great wine is that they are trying to make the best possible wine that they can. Yes, And they're doing it naturally in terms of their farming, in terms of like they want to be hands off in the winery because they are proud to have that wine express. All of the hard work that goes into those vineyards where the fruit is is
1: from. You still have to pay some attention to those barrels, oh, right? You, or else you
0: you definitely have to pay attention. One thing we haven't talked about yet also is sulfur.
1: Yeah. What can we go back to Drake real quick? Yeah. I think Whitcraft is a great example. Whitcraft Chardonnay is unfiltered. Yeah. It is not a cloudy mess. Yeah. Versus other natural Chardonnays that I've seen that are unfiltered but are still a cloudy mess. Like there's some skill set that still goes into this. If, if, if I guess my, what I'm trying to get at Mike is if natural winemaking was so easy, you and I could just go buy some grapes that have been farmed correctly, throw, you know, crush them, throw them into barrels and just let it go. And we'd be master winemakers. Yep. It's not that simple. You, there's still a skill set involved as much as they is. Every winemaker will tell you we're taking what the vineyard will give us they're still intervening at some point or else that is not going to turn out good. If it would have been great, then wines from 2000 years ago would have been awesome and we know they weren't. Yeah. I think we got to be careful on romanticizing non-intervention because that that's not really what's happening and I think that it it diminishes the role that these great farmers and winemakers are making are 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 kind of putting forth
0: and what's ironic is some of these producers are really just turning back the clock and doing things how their grandfather grandmother great-grandparents did it when it wasn't a thing you just this is yeah we're gonna you know it's just normal right and now it's become kind of this well this trend and it's it's just really difficult to navigate your way through it because you can taste a flight of quote-unquote natural wine and have some be gorgeous amazing beautiful expressions of wine and others just absolutely taste tastes like crap crapola. Yeah, so and, what about sulfur? And uh, yeah, so most of these producers are going to use as little sulfur as possible. I think if you're trying to make a great wine, you're, you you want to use as little sulfur as as possible to not impart any flavors into it. You don't necessarily need a whole lot of sulfur. And when we're talking about sulfur and wine in terms of quantity, even the most heavily sulfured wines out there, whatever they might be, are really low. Yeah. The sulfites are low in terms of parts per million. Like if you're out there listening and you get headaches from the sulfites wrong, you don't, you don't, you don't, maybe we can, I've got a great article on that. Maybe we can link it up in the show notes, but sulfur is a great, that'd be a tangent a whole nother episode. Um, but in the natural wine world, it it can be shunned upon if you use sulfur and there are producers that use zero, zero sulfur added. Now you can't fermentation create sulfur. You can't have zero in the finished product, but you can add zero. And what sulfur? The purpose of sulfur is to preserve the wine, right? To help it age, to preserve it. Um, If you don't use any sulfur, you can end up in a couple months. I don't know, whatever. Really quickly, it can just taste like vinegar. And a lot of these wines that aren't sulfured, it tastes like vinegar, at best. At best. (laughs) Like we have definitely tasted our fair share of some really crappy wines that yeah. are just hard to drink. But there are people out there drinking them because the philosophy of the winemaker or it's cool to drink these things or, you know, a, just like a little bit of a rebellion type mentality of, well, I'm not drinking the normal shit. I'm over here drinking this, you know, and it, it just comes down to tasting wine. And there are there are lots of good producers that make natural wine that are good quality wines and you know like one that comes to mind is a small producer in Oregon Washington named named Joe Swick very active on social look him up if you want but like Swick wines they're some of the most delicious drinkable natural wines that I've ever had and I'm a big fan but he is very adamant uh, like kind of you know fuck the whole system fuck you fuck your points and your scores and he doesn't care about that or like what the psalms say or anything he's just doing his thing letting the wine speak for 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 itself he even has a new wine out called like you know 2450 points or something i I don't have the number right but it's this clear like making fun of the whole system and i get that and that's cool but his wines back like they back up the talk right where other producers i mean they it is just i like i don't want to name any names and bash individual producers but there there's some some major problems out there like you like you said just flawed wine hitting the market yeah and oh that's not flawed it's natural no 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 fuck that it's flawed right you know
1: yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm glad that we touched on this subject, right? Because I think it's an important one because people are talking about it. We have both been in the business a very long time and are ourselves confused about all of the components that go into it. We don't know them. And that kind of tells you a little bit that it's unimportant. Now, if you've got some sort of philosophical or religious or health reasons for avoiding a, sub, a substance, well, that's a different story. If you're just looking, if you can have everything, and you're good with it. As long as the wine tastes good. I'm not sure that it, it much matters. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, it, also don't shut your mind to them though. Cause if Okapinti is in a shop and it's under a natural section, you may pass it up just because you've tasted some flawed one, right. some flawed quote unquote natural lines. Be careful on that too. Right. Make sure that you trust your purveyor and the ask questions and make sure that you're tasting things. And if something's flawed, I'm going to tell you, take it back to the retailer. Don't accept it at the table at a restaurant and take it back to a retailer. And if they're not going to take your bottle back, find a new retailer. Yeah, pretty much. if, If the bottle's flawed, it should be, okay, no problem. You know, and look, everything I've always done in the wine world, we take most things back because it's just so tough to understand what you're going to like. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't drink the whole bottle and then just bring the empty thing back. Yeah. You know, don't be a dick. about Yeah. It.
0: And, and don't be a repeat offender, right. you know, on and on and on. But if you re- legitimately come across one that is like, well, this, there's something wrong with this. Right. Not like, uh, I didn't, I thought I would like this, but I don't. All right. You know, yeah. maybe pour it for your friend that likes it or just eat that one. But if there's something wrong, just, just bring it back. Bring it back. Yeah,
1: Absolutely. What else you want to hit on 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 the, on the natty show?
0: Well, I just got to say, don't get caught up in the hype too much, and you know, there, flavor Flav,
1: don't believe the hype. Yeah, word,
0: you know. <laughs> and there there's some things that grind my gears about this stuff, and <laughs> and like one of them is just the the whether it's the the retailer, the psalm, the distributor, the winemaker, up on their high horse about natural wine, like y- you've got customers coming in saying, oh, how much sulfur goes into this is this native yeast is this this is this that all for like drinking one bottle of wine but then like they get into their suv go drive around and pollute the world like the rest of us they drink their natural wine with you know taco bell and a bag of doritos do you know what i'm saying here
1: where are these people i want to find them oh they're everywhere i i I need some taco bell and 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 natty But I guess my point is, right, the
0: hypocrisy is absolutely fucking insane with this category. That you, you don't, get, don't get caught up in sulfites and yeast fermentation. Get caught up in, oh, Ocapinti is Louis Dresner, right? Look for some more Louis Dresner wines. Look for Kermit Lynch. That like These are, these are importers that have been working with producers making natu- quote-unquote natural wine way before natural wine was a thing commend you to you know want to go explore this category and seek out these smaller producers. You know, we're not we're not talking about mass produced wines when it comes to this category. There, there's just no mass produced natural wine. So by default, we are talking about small family owned wineries and I think they're, you know I think that's great and kudos and let's support let's drink small and support those, but just don't get caught up in the whole natural movement and it needs to be natural that's all I drink is natural because it's really hard to tell, to be honest.
1: Yeah. My favorite one is always, I'm drinking organic wine. I'm like, thank God, because if you were trying to drink inorganic wine, you would be in some trouble. Yeah. I mean, yeah. of course, it's all, in the end, it's all natural, right? And, and um, it's not it's not binary.
0: It's not, yeah, it's not, well, that's natural. That, by default, this is unnatural. Right? No. I mean... It's just not the case, you know, like if if a mass produced wine uses chemicals in their vineyards to help make the grapes sustain their health to be able to harvest and or produce more or whatever it is, you know, then that's what they do. But the the final product, it doesn't necessarily taste bad or worse than a natural wine. It's again, it's a philosophy.
1: Yeah, I guess that's where I get hung up is if. I, we keep picking on Ariana Ocapinti, but it's just easy because it's in front of us, right? So if, if something is happening in Ariana's vineyards and and the experts tell her the only way to save your vineyards is to spray this chemical, I would rather she sprayed the chemical, saved her vineyard, saved her livelihood, then everything goes away. Yeah. That's my opinion. I'm not sure what her her opinion would be. My My guess kind of... It would be, she'd probably try to just salvage as much as she could in a yeah. natural way. But if it's going to devastate an entire vineyard, uh, that's an issue, right? So, yeah. I mean, there was this little thing called phylloxera that had, <laughs> devastates vineyards. And so they had to put um, American rootstock, which happened to be immune, basically, to phylloxera, in French vineyards and then graft onto that. That's an unnatural process, mm-hmm. grafting, right? But we do it all the time in making new hybrid flowers and new, you know, grapes and, and everything else. But in the end, if you've grafted, that's an, that's unnatural. Yeah. Right. So does that disqualify you, you know? And I'm sure that a lot of this stuff is grown on rootstock. That's not natural because that's the only way that the vineyards are going to survive because phylloxera will come and get you. Yeah. Right. So
0: these little nitty, like nitty gritty, that that we're bringing up the, These are actual real conversations going on Between a wine buyer like a sommelier Or a retail shop and the distributor of these Natural wines and sometimes they're Basing their decision on whether to carry the wines Like it, it's so Deep and particular Now I want to be clear This is our ungrafted section Yes right exactly oh,
1: As long as the fucking wine tastes good
0: I want to be very clear that like Ariana Ocapinti, um, Some other producers that pop into mind for me that i'm fond of um tenuta de valgiana in tuscany brianday in oregon drake whitcraft you know whether it's organic biodynamic i am very pro i believe to make great wines i believe that makes a greater wine like if you farm organically or even biodynamically even though maybe talking about the phases of the moon and the constellations and all of that is sounds a little bit you know, out there, I think that ultimately going in that direction is going to yield a, a better product that expresses the the vineyard more. And that's just me. That's what I'm into. You know, I want the wine to express itself and where it comes from and maybe a little bit of the personality of the winemaker. But um you know, doing it organically, biodynamically, I'm all about that. What I'm not about is getting into the nitty-gritty of, oh, Ariana, how much sulfur did you use in this vintage? I, I, don't, I don't care. I trust the winemaker to make the best wine they can in the most natural, hands-off way possible to make a clean product. But to not drink something because of so much sulfur was added to it or the type of yeast— Again, you're and you're gonna like have a bag of Doritos later when you have the munchies. You you know what I mean? Like, is every single thing in your life where you're making this kind of a decision on? But when, with wine, it, to me, it's a phenomenon. Yeah, that this is even happening.
1: Yeah, and I guess I just differ because I think if somebody is doing most things right and they happen to spray a few very safe chemicals onto a vine sure. to to make sure that their yield stays up, I don't have an issue with it. I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it impacts the line that much personally. My problem is if it's harmful, <laughs> I mean, most of the, the sprays in vineyards today have, have turned to organic sprays. Yeah. And I mean, you know, but the people go all the way, right. They won't even put a lawnmower through the thing or a weed whacker, right. They've got goats that are, you know, eating the, the shrubbery and, you know, they're, yeah, I, I, that, that stuff is great. It may that's the
0: whole biodynamic thing, right? Like, that's kind of what I was yeah. trying to say. Like, oh, I've got weeds instead of you know, spraying weed killer, I have right. goats eat it. And yeah. instead of you know, oh, bees or butterflies, uh, have this effect of keeping these certain bugs away. So right. I have butterflies, like,
1: yeah, no, I get it totally. I I, I hear you. I mean, I, I'm not one that goes out and seeks this stuff out. If it happens to be that, that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I couldn't tell you. What the practices are on my, a lot, most of my favorite wines, like I, I just don't know, and I just don't care, and I think that I'm probably in the majority because if people did care, then you know Barefoot wouldn't be selling millions of cases every year. Yeah, right. That's just the a fact of the matter. Right. Yep. the 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 biggest wines aren't made this way, and so most people just don't give a damn. Yeah, I don't give a damn just because I just I want it to taste good. And not taste overly processed. Yeah. Right. And to me, overly processed doesn't taste good. To other people, it does. Yeah. So.
0: And In, in the wine world, it's uh, this is niche. Yeah. And there's lots of producers that farm biodynamically and would fall into the natural category, but they don't want to sell their wine based on those merits. They want to sell their wine because it, it tastes, tastes good. Tastes damn good.
1: Yeah. Well, in the end, that's what we want, right? Yep. Awesome, man. Anything else to, to close it out on, on the natties?
0: You know, not, n- not right now, but I, you know, I do have so much more I could get into and I, you know, we'll see, maybe there will be a, a natty, 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 yeah, two? natty part two. Um, I could see that coming along. Bio D's revenge. Yeah. <laughs> I think we just kind of not tip of the iceberg, but there there's plenty of more that we can get into and talk about and other styles like, you know, how pet nats fit into this whole category and, Right. Why those are cool or not cool and sediment floating in the shit
1: or not, float, you know, and right. Just all this kind of stuff. All right. Remember life is short. Get out there and drink what you like tonight. Thank you for listening to that wine pod. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at, at that wine pod. And we are that wine podcast on Facebook. Also check out Mike on Instagram at Vino Mike and Pete is at Fatman stories please subscribe to That Wine Pod on your favorite podcast app and leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps the show. The music is Proto Funk by Kevin McLeod. That Wine Pod is a production of Paragon Media.